But this band Fish, are they like the Grateful Dead? Like, I mean... Ah, uh, dude, they're kind of like an inspirational rock band. Like, not straight out of the 60s, but it's like trippy rock kind of mixed with funk and like, you know, like kind of accidental uh-huh. grooves. Uh-huh. And, um, we kind of like tour on right the bus on. and like go to see shows and shit. Okay. It's fun, dude, because we pop nuggets and like... So is this the first time you've ever seen this band, Fish? Uh, no, dude, I've been to Plattsburgh. So what's with the spelling of the, the... I mean, that's not really how you spell the name, I mean... Well, dude, it's all in the PH fun of things, you know? Oh, so fun's like spelled with a PH, too? Two for ten? That's my... Lot capitalism. Four for twenty. Lot, lot capitalism and it's out of control. Two for twenty. No I just, rice. I just saw. Um, I just saw a woman looking for a kid named Nugget. Nugget. <laughs> where's, where's Nugget? Where's that chick Molly, man? And let's go. Let's get out of here. Fucking. I can't. I can't. Think. It's, I can't believe we're still in around this whole situation. I, I've run into three dogs named Tila. No. A couple pipers. The dog who stepped into yesterday's and, poop. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I a lot like, of fashion is out of control, though. This it's lit. I mean, uh, the freak flags are uh, a waving. Yeah, they are. Yeah, a lot of good deals. It's the end of tour, so there's a lot of uh, everything must go prices. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Fire sales. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I don't want to be driving back to Idaho with no, all this Molly. All, all the stashes must go. Got to get rid of it. This Yo, is nuts, though, man. This is we've been doing this for a minute. Let's get the fuck out of here let's, and go sit in my car and drink a beer and talk. Let's let's figure out why we keep coming back. All right. All right. Later, Wooks. 25 years of seeing this effing band. Oh, again. What did they again. put in my what did they put in my <laughs> chocolate the, milk? In the water? What what's what the, is in the water? The, the Kool-Aid was um drunk. So yeah, here we are. Still chasing. This is it. Still chasing. I'm Mike Fenoya. I'm Mike Shields. I'm a stand-up comic and a uh, comedy producer for the TV show Impractical Jokers. And I'm a fish head. Yeah, I am too. (laughs) You're a podcast host and a very good friend of mine. Podcast host. We're both on the Osiris Podcast Network. Absolutely. And you know, I I have been looking at forty years old in the eye, Mm. and I'm freaked out at like why I'm getting so old so quick. And I was like, you know what? Let's look back on the one thing that's that's made me happy. That's been there. Fish. Yeah, that entire time. And just, I mean, kind of get to the root of what what brought us here, what brings us back, and just why we became so obsessed and why so many others are yeah, so Yeah, man. And it's like, this is a fan's view yeah. at why fans do what yeah, we do. Yeah, we've heard from the critics a lot. We've, you know, a lot of... Uh, a lot of, lot of documentaries. A lot, lot of ways we've heard from the bands, which is great. And we just want to come come at it from a fan-centric viewpoint and really break down what, uh, what, what keeps us coming back. You know, 2019 was a very... Um, a very uh, documentative year yeah. for fish yeah. between between me and my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, long may they run. All the under the scales. Where uh, Tom Marshall, uh, who you'll be hearing from in this uh, this series, and you know brought on band members to actually you know dissect lyrics and just go over what. It, yeah, everyone's looking back on the after midnight series sure. that he did, which yep. was amazing. Which is great, and it, it's a very pivotal time. And it seemed like last year was a huge year to like look at like fish from you know a historical perspective yeah. from a, a iconic good time perspective to really really you know give it that hindsight view and yeah yeah digest it all and i just kind of wanted to like look at it from a fan's perspective mm-hmm. that started as like 
you know, you're a seed in a garden yeah. with a million other seeds you don't know. Yeah. And as you're as you start to sprout and as you start to you know spread out your 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 pistols and your stamens, mm-hmm. I think are those words. You're a, you're the tree guy. So I think that it's important to like kind of look at what kept us doing. Yeah. I've seen bands a few times since I've been seeing concerts. I bet. And it's like, yeah, cool. I'll catch them once a decade. Yep. I have that fear of missing out when it comes to fish like it's it's a problem yep. it's if i'm not there i i it's i feel uneasy for years I it feel would physically physically hurt yeah like I've, I've had to get my head around the idea that i can't see everyone and grow up a little bit but yet still it still affects me when i'm not there i i, I jones for it oh I, totally I need my fix and from the beginning it was something that i felt like right away grabbed me in a way that never like it was my thing yeah this wasn't you know some other like an older brother's mm. band or an uncle's band or whatever this is my it's it, and it's going to be mine and i want to see what they have in store for me yep. and what was fun was uh i mean all the way back to like before summer tour 19 mm. started interviewing people yes and started just collecting interviews you I got a, I, you got a bank of interviews from uh uh, uh Huge swath of people, notable people, and just fans and, and and people involved with the with fish on many different levels that 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 we're gonna pepper throughout this whole project. Absolutely, and you know what else was fun was to be able to go back and carve out pieces of the tapes that I recorded. Yeah, in a weird nerdy, almost like I knew I was gonna need it one day. That is so cool that you have those. It's I mean, the, I you held have on tapes to tape. from Cyprus. I have tapes. I used to carry around a micro cassette recorder. Yeah. And I would record with my buddies, um, you know, the, the our travels. Yep. And it would be so fun to go back and, like, listen to them. But I never thought it would be something. Yeah. I thought it would be just, like, just, a, just a neat listen one day with, you know, sitting around drinking beers. Yeah. And now, doing this, we look back and you hear us, us talking in traffic what like you have said many times while we listened, very sober. Yeah. <laughs> so fucked up. Just little kids, like, high as kites. But... My interview with Ken Kesey. Yeah, so I mean, what we're gonna do is we're gonna we're gonna obviously we're discussing our obsession and, and why we're so obsessed here, and then then we're gonna take it on the road a little bit for for we're gonna go through chapters, and the next chapter we're gonna take take you on the road and all you gotta go through all the gifts that we've been given from this band, and and then we're going into the show. We're gonna meet some members of the community. Yep. We're gonna talk about how technology has changed the game. How we've been influenced mm-hmm. and how we've been inspired yep. and also like where it's led us. Yeah. And that, you know, one, uh, one of these chapters is dedicated alone to uh, a special encounter you had only because of your love of this band. And yep. Yeah. And then we dig into um, the inspiration, what, what it led us to in life, what it, what it, you know, what we learned from it all. And, and, and along this road, I think a lot of people are going to, you know, think about their own experiences and be nostalgic yes. with us and, you know, Absolutely. just have some fun, you know? And you know what else, too? There's there's podcast. The Osiris Network, which we're a part of, is chock full of amazing podcasts that are culturally about, you know, the fan experience. And I think that, you know, you have your podcasts on the network. I have Amigos on the network. And what I thought about was more of, why don't you and I just, like, sit down as, like, we, we both have the same tenure of veteran yeah we started around the same time we got hooked the same time and it's like we've both kind of experienced it and then we become buddies and it's one of these things that i think if you're into something if you're into hunting if you're into weightlifting if you're into comedy fish when you find someone else that is into your thing Mm -hmm. even if you just met yep you're instantly tighter than 
than just your a old friends that aren't exactly yeah, well even like I have, or, or even a friend yes exactly. I, have, I have friends from growing up when that you share I, a, I already have more in common with you yeah yeah when you share a passion with somebody it's yeah. right away I mean you're you're someone understands what I mean what your passion is your obsession they, they get you in yeah. a certain way that other people don't you and I both live here in New York City and we go to concerts all the time mm-hmm. and we've hung out a bunch um, and it's been so neat going through like all of these experiences and now here we are like in a in, a, in the biggest city yeah with the I mean fish is on fire and it's so fun Still. to look back at I mean, really, it's unbelievable. I think about how I got started. Yeah, tell me. And it was so funny. Like, I, I used to get tapes. I was mm-hmm. a big Grateful Dead fan. Yep. And growing up, I, 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 I like, dove headfirst into my dad's records. Yeah. And I really, because it was, like, the one way I wanted to, like, try to communicate with him. Mm-hmm. So I, like, memorized Who records and David Bowie and all types of shit. And the Grateful Dead was the one that I feel like kind of right away, like, grabbed me. Yeah. I loved the... The sing-songy, folky... I've heard about... You talk about it. It was... You were really young when you were, like, listening to Some of the Dead. Extremely young. I think that there was a lot of, like, rock and roll albums that I thought were a little bit loud and scary and weird, but The Grateful Dead had this very, like... I don't know. It it was cartoonish in a way. It was very, like, homey and folk-songy in a way, and Jerry's voice was very, like, warm and... And, and, and the music was nice. Yeah. And I, I loved it. Yeah. And, but I also loved Boris the Spider. And I also sure. loved weird Who songs yeah. that were in the kinks and strange stuff. I see where you're going with this. Yeah, all so it was this all mixture. This, it was very yeah. like whatever had like a little bit of, of a tale to it. Mm-hmm. I loved. Mm-hmm. And as I started to, you know, grow up and I mean, I wasn't like nine years old you know, growing dreads and like, you know, tie dye dipping my Frisbees and shit, you know, <laughs> but the dead was something when it I was could, something it was in your world. When already. I played with my dad's records, I would always go to the Grateful Dead first. Yeah. And I loved the iconography yeah. of it all. And I liked the fact that no one does it better. I wanted to go so deep. Mm-hmm. It was like the first thing I really gave a fuck about, Yep, you know? Yep. And I bet once you started going deep, you realize how much depth there was. You start peeling back and being like, oh my goodness, there's more and more. And that's something that, you know, Fish has been giving us. I mean, initially I was, um, I think I came upon a studio album early on. I was from New England. Fish is around. Fish mm-hmm. is like a thing. And I was, you know, initially attached to like the novel soundscapes. I've, I'd never heard anything like Yam or Fluffhead or, or, you know, any of those. It's these wildly inventive lyrics. There was something so peculiar about Fish and in aesthetic and sound, and I was drawn to it. I loved the oddness. It was so know, studio albums is what got yeah, you first. Yeah, I think that was it. And then so uh, tapes were, were what got me in. Yeah, tapes. Okay, were so you went you right for the live. Yep. I, I mean, uh, soon after, people were handing me live tapes, of course. But well, in high school, I got to know like friends that mm-hmm. I could like trade tapes with. Grateful Dead tapes. Yep. And it was so funny. I remember I called my local radio station and because they had Psychedelic Sunday, and I asked the DJ, "Is there anybody that I could get live Grateful Dead tapes from?" And he connected me with this old dude that. I gave him my address and he drove to my house and like my dad caught this dude in the driveway and was like, Michael, he's like, get the fuck down here. And he's Taylor's like, here. Who is this guy? And it's like this weird hippie, like, hey man, I just wanted to give you like the, you know, Fillmore East, man. I thought you'd dig it. And he's like, you're a little kid. And I was like, thank you, mister. And I like, ran. but I, I had like a good stack of like great dead tapes and I was bringing them to high school and trading them. And in Italian class, my sophomore year, 94, my buddy Dave goes, have you ever heard of fish? Mm. And I'm like, no. 
I, don't, I haven't heard of heard of them. I want like I, I wanted to say yes because he was like a cool kid. Yeah, you're trying to be cool. And he gave me New Year's '93. Yeah, and it was that Wister. like FM quality. You remember like some of those like special shows yeah. that would like air on FM sure. or whatever. Yep. It was so trebly and and so hissy, and you could hear the like the tapers talking to each other yeah. during stash. I remember so many amazing things. I went home and I cranked that. Susie Greenberg was the song that it was rewound to. And just the blast right away of like the opening notes and the opening verse all comes out at, at once. And it was so high, like energy and, and exciting. I was just yep. like, this is the greatest thing I've what ever is heard. This? This I listened yeah. to that tape yeah. all night, every night that like that week, basically. And, and I went back to school and was like, Dave, dude, I need more. Like yeah. I, I went in a yeah, complete more junkie right off the bat. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And the thing that I love when I learned that fish did that thing that the Grateful Dead did where every single show was different. Well, yeah, I mean, and, and that's, I mean, you know what? In one of those interviews, Tom Tom Marshall, he, um, lyricist for Fish, obviously, or to anyone who knows Fish, uh, he talks about that and kind of what drove Fish's growth. Let's, 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 yeah, let's, let's check it out. Yep. I, yeah, I think I've said this many times. I think Fish has this depth that you can find sort of an infinite depth in analyzing the song itself or analyzing the lyrics or ascribing your own meaning to the song. And in some way, if you do enough work, you finally realize that this is your band and and that's your song. And, And then like you like chasing stuff, you would then chase that song, right? And so then you'll see them three or four times and you'll even drive to see them five or six times, maybe to catch that song or to catch that experience or, or be with your friends or whatever. So for whatever reason, fish, and uh, the way that they play, the way they mix up their shows, uh, was a perfect sort of field to plant uh, a lot of dreams in. <laughs> and I didn't beautiful. mean to sound corny. Yeah, so I mean, that's something that really, you know, it, it, there's once you start peeling away the onion, there's just more and more, you know. Well, there's, there. it's just amazing. And, and, and there's so many opportunities to be a part of this thing where the band gives us rope. Yeah. And we give them rope yep. and we can fail and we can succeed and we could come back and it's always there. And it kind of gave me like a thought right off the bat that like this band gives a shit. The Grateful Dead gives a shit. Fish gives a shit. And it, it was something where it wasn't just cookie cutter every, you know, I remember watching like Yo MTV raps and like artists would come on and they would just do the song. As it was, there's no improvising, which I understand that's hard to do. There's some, you know, lyricists that can do that shit like off the, off the cuff, but it's hard. And like for these guys to go out and like play every song different every time they play it. It just feel like uh, rock or rap stars just, just getting off. Right. There was a, there was a relationship there. I mean, they were getting off, but like it was, it was, uh, you know, making sure their fans were part of the experience, getting off the experience. But so we were talking about tapes. And we were talking about, you know, just our studio albums or whatever led us there. But obviously, let's be serious. When, when we saw them live, I mean, that's 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 when it was over from there. I was completely all in. It was, uh, you know, it was beyond. It was more than just the music at that point. It was it was the theatrics and, the, and everything else that is fish came to life. I, I realized there was humor, uh, hijinks. There was like this fascinating mythology that I need to know more about. There was... Improv, ripping rock and roll, deep psychedelic jams, uh, funk ballads. Um, their bur- band personalities were intriguing to me, and above all else, 
it was the unpredictability right away i was like i had the feeling that anything could happen yeah dude totally and it's kind of funny like i mentioned earlier about like just how the grateful dead and fish the thing i loved the most about them was that every show is completely different yeah when i talked to david gans um host of the grateful dead hour yeah, grateful dead musician yeah. yeah i mean just a very good friend he's mm-hmm. been on my podcast for years yeah. um we talked about his piece that he wrote about how Grateful Dead concerts are like baseball games. Now it might be a good time to check this it out. This is so cool. Yeah, I love it. Grateful Dead concerts are like baseball games. No two are ever alike. Sometimes everybody plays great, but they lose anyway. And sometimes it's an all-timer, even though some of the individual performances are sloppy. Some people love the years gone by and aren't too keen on the way the game is played today. Some have only been fans since last year and don't care what happened way back when. You can cherish the great moments and the great seasons, or you can go for the enjoyment of tonight and to hell with the standings. The Grateful Dead have their great years and bad, perfect games and whippings, heroes and goats. There are some who say the game's too slow and the brief moments of action and excitement are too few and far between. It can be enjoyed on many levels, but some people don't see what's to enjoy. Deadheads are a varied lot, like baseball fans. Some are scorekeepers who record the details for posterity and or statistical analysis. Some are camera buffs, armchair quarterbacks, groupies, bleacher bums who'd be there no matter who's playing, and spousal fans who go because if they didn't, they'd be left home alone. Some people go because they've always gone and couldn't bear to stop. It may take a few visits to grasp the subtleties, but there's something to enjoy from the first moment you're there. It's cerebral if you choose to analyze it, but it's instinctive and basic, too. You can go to recapture your innocent past or to cheer them on to new glory. To some, they're an institution. To some, mere child's play. And to many people, the Grateful Dead are a more or less indispensable part of the life they live. Now, this has been something that's been cited for decades, and yeah. I'm so, like... And it makes glad- so much sense. He it's nails perfect. it. It's perfect. It's I mean, just- if we were to do one for fish, it would basically be, like, fish concerts are, like, what, hockey games? Yeah. Like, sometimes you get a skate <laughs> in the eye, sometimes you get a glow stick yeah. in your teeth. It's funny that, like, you know, looking back now at the first show and thinking, God, if I only knew then... Mm. But at the time, I was so fucking blown away. Yeah. So talk about your first show. What was it? Well, New Haven 95. There was a tweezer. There was. (laughs) There was a a fart, I think I'm saying it right. Yep. Um, It was in that, it was in that like fall, winter 95 where like there was a lot of bold as loves in that tour. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Jimmy was, yep. Yeah. yeah. Well, the thing that I thought was kind of interesting too is that like I ended up finding out about them. In 94. Mm-hmm. And it took me like a year of trying to find out anything I possibly could about them over a year. Yep. About them. Like this. And I didn't have the, I didn't have internet in 1994. Mm-hmm. Who the fuck did? Some like one rich kid. <laughs> I, I, I was basically like, give me every tape that you have. I was going to like Old Glory, which was this head shop in I know Connecticut. It. I would go yeah. down there. I'm a Connecticut boy. Stare yeah. at t-shirts. Old Saybrook. Yeah, dude. Yeah. <laughs> and then they had these like we would take pilgrimages mm-hmm. there. And then they had this um catalog called Gypsy Rose yep. that I had already been getting because of Grateful Dead stuff. But then I realized like, oh, that's what that fucking shirt is. Yeah. Like that's that weird fish. And I just got so excited. I think a live one had come out mm-hmm. in that period. Yep. I was listening to like the dude of life and fish. There was so much fun, a depth already. Yep. You're already digging in and finding more and more. New Haven 95 
was the first time I got the chance to see fish. And I had, prior to that, I had um, ordered tickets to September 95 Grateful Dead. And I had never seen the Grateful Dead. And my mom got the tickets in the mail. And I was like, I already have the money for the tickets. Uncle Bill said he's bringing us. Can we go? And she was like, yep. And then Jerry died in August. And she saw how like crushed I was. So I go, fish is coming around in December. Can I go to that? And she was like, yeah, of course. Over the course of that time, I got busted drinking for the first time. So my parents were like, you're going to this fish concert, but I swear to God, if you come back smelling like booze, like we're sending you away to school. Like this is going to be, and I was scared shitless of my old man. So I didn't drink at the show. We went to New Haven 95. I grew up right outside New Haven, Mm -hmm. Connecticut. The New Haven Coliseum, home of the New Haven Nighthawks. (laughs) A garbage fucking AHL minor league hockey team. If anyone's ever seen the movie Slapshot, uh, you know what I'm talking about. It was just they would play like the Hershey Bears and the Binghamton Bears and everybody was the Bears. But it was this place that like I grew up going to like sporting. I, I saw hockey there. I saw Bon Jovi there when I was seven with, and Skid Row. That was my first concert. And... This place that, like, we would drive by to go to the hospital. There was, you know, whatever. The circus was there and shit. Now I'm in the parking lot with my buddies, right? We're smoking cherry tipperillo cigars just to have something to do. And the parking lot is just taken over by freaks. There's, like, dudes with, like, ponchos and, like, patchwork pants, hacky sack circles. and home. Yeah, and it's, like, all these weird smells I've never smelled before. And, like cool like older chicks that like from high school that were like oh you're into fish and it's like fucking yeah i am (laughs) and it was so cool to be like around this hang Mm -hmm. and i remember getting out of the car and you could hear people playing drums and guitars and shit like uh, in a a, like an angle of the parking lot that you couldn't see Mm -hmm. you know what i mean that like distant sound yeah and then there was a guy that had like tapes and i went running over to the tape guy and i was like what do you got and i was looking through all his tapes and i snagged a few and like threw them in the car and we walked what could have been like a 10-minute walk to the venue. It, it ended up taking like a lifetime because it was just this spectacle of yeah. like people and colors and words that I didn't know. This is when like, it, for people who don't know, who have never been to a show, when you're walking through the parking lot, people will whisper like shrooms, doses, nugs, perps, molly, whatever, and all these words. And when you're 15, you're like, the fuck is perps? What's a goo ball? Like, what, what are these freaks? And then you start to learn after a while, like, oh, it's great pot. Yeah. You know what I mean? Whatever. Just so names of specific acids. Yeah. Right. Different language that's spoken on the thing. And it is, I mean, it's, it's wild. It, it, you know, it's so novel that first time for us. It's a traveling circus. Yeah, man. But it's, but it's like, a, it's a counterculture circus that speaks its own language, has its own thing. And it is, it's, it, it was so captivating right at the bat it was it was this community and you wanted to be a, i wanted to be a part of yeah that and, and like, the thing that was this? the thing that was so wild too was like walking through the doors of a venue that meant so much to me already yeah. and then you just feel this it's, it's like you're being swept up mm-hmm. in a current of excitement and you just get kind Love of that. drawn into it and where they normally sell soft pretzels and a fountain soda is like oh there's t-shirts there's that thing i remember there's that brown hoodie that says game henge i just learned that that's the story that the lead singer wrote for college and um we're all getting like our toes wet in this nerd pool yeah and it's like i've never been a nerd before about anything so it's like i was really kind of on your own there 
Well, I know. And that's one thing that I think is kind of cool. Like, I have friends who were, like, crazy yeah, Star Wars fans definitely. and, like, whatever. That and was the, part of the appeal. Just the, the see, absolute me, nerdiest. I mean, you mentioned Game Hedge. The first show I attended, they did a Game Hedge narration at, um, in Great Woods. And I'm just there. And I it just, it, I, you alluded to it earlier, I wish I could experience it now. I mean, I'd still, even, even knowing about Game Hedge at the time, it was just so, now here's, everything, it was hard for me to digest everything. Yeah, and here's something that you and I experienced different. Your first show was an outdoor yep. show. My first show was an indoor show, Turn which are up. very different. <laughs> and, you know, uh, were you in the seats or were you up in the I lawn? I was in the lawn. You yeah. were in the lawn. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I was, I, I remember exactly where I was sitting at the, at the fish show in, the, in New Haven. And I remember, and I want to know your thoughts on this, because the thing to me that we've talked off air about how we call it our happy place mm. There's this period, um, a moment before the show starts, where everybody's milling around, everybody's taking off their hoodie, tying it to the, the you know, railing in front of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you look around, you're pointing at people, you see people hugging, there's like whatever music's playing on the PA. Yeah. There's folks getting a beer, people smoking bowls, That's whatever, sound, stretching. Yeah. And you hear this kind of like... White. Chatter. Just like... <sighs> kind of going on, right? Like white noise. Right. Yeah. And then it's almost like as if like something psychically, like you just said, right before the show's about to start, everything gets dead silent for a second. And then the lights go down, the house lights drop, and then the the, the whole stadium's lights kind of dim. And then you see the spotlights heading towards the side of the stage and the band comes on. I truly believe it's one of the the greatest highs in life I've ever experienced. And I've I've had a couple highs. Yeah, yeah, me too. (laughs) I've had that. That's when the hook hit my lip and I was like pierced and I was done. That moment. That was always uh, like a a show day or the night before I couldn't sleep. And I would have that um, uh, good anxiety like leading up to it. Sure. You know, I've had bad anxiety too, but like leading up to it, just like all this excitement. I just couldn't think about anything. But but once those lights dropped and that feeling hit, it, it, it was just like everything was okay and it was on. And it yeah. was, it's the best feeling in the world. And and I feel like that moment of that happening at the first time was something where like that was the first page of that book being opened. Yeah. And we just keep adding chapters, man. Yeah. It's fucking wild. No, I think about that Game Henge night and just like how unexpected it was but then i go to a next show uh, another show just a, a couple months later it was in george mason university and it, it, you know at some point during um a mic song um trey calls a whole girls soccer team on stage and they're doing a chant and i'm just like it, it, after seeing uh, a narration and now there's like soccer a soccer team uh, on stage uh, uh, another month later i go see uh, um, a holiday run show 94 i see this David Bowie that just blew my mind wide open. Like, I'm right. just, I mean, well, I'm they're just, playing chess with the crowd playing chess. All these things are happening and, and all this madness. And I was just learning that like it, it, the unexpected was to be expected in this place. And I just needed more of it. And you know, what's funny too, dude, is like, I remember you ever like when you start working out when yeah. you're a kid and you see somebody else like lifting like three plates on each side of the, uh-huh. of the 
of the bar and you're lifting like 135 pounds <laughs> or whatever and you're looking and you're like one day I'll get it yeah. you know this is how I felt with fish where it's like this kid with dreads down to his fucking ankles I'll, I'll be there twisting and spinning and <laughs> yeah. he's like calling songs before and I was uh, like who's this guy <laughs> now 20 something years later I'm at like the baker's dozen and I happen to call a what's the use and this yeah. kid's like bro you're a fucking sage yeah. man and it's like shut up you idiot I just know what they haven't done yet on, and it's so hilarious that like you know we all dive onto this fucking train yep. when we do yeah. and it picks us up you know it's funny I had a chance to chat with Rebecca Adams oh I love this the, Rebecca Adams did some incredible work D- David Gans introduced me to her sure and it was as I was chatting with him he's like you should really talk to another Rebecca. Grateful Dead historian I mean yeah yeah kind but, of a professor she's taught about the dead she understood the fact that like going and seeing your favorite music or listening to your favorite music is not only therapeutic but it like could be medicinal physically affects us yeah. in a way let's listen so to check that. this yeah. out yeah well i am not a, a cognitive psychologist but there's also a lot of research now about the importance of listening to your preferred music for maintaining your cognitive capacity um so uh, it's not just an emotional attachment. There's actually a physical effect of, of listening to your preferred music. Uh, in, in later life, when, uh, when people begin to have cognitive issues, uh, which, you know, are not part of normal aging, but, but some people do have uh, cognitive issues. Uh, and when people listen to just any music, uh, it might have some good effect on them. But if they listen to their preferred music, which in your case might be Fish and in my case might be The Grateful Dead, uh, all of the different parts of the brain light up and it frees up uh, areas of the brain to um, uh it, it frees up cognitive capacity and can actually bring, bring people back who've not been able to communicate uh, as themselves. And so uh, the feeling you're having is probably very real and very physical. Now, you look back and you're I like... I love that, the, that it's not just... We're not just crazy uh, about the obsession. There's a science to obsession. Well, totally. Yeah. And I think that it's one of those things where like when you're happy place is a loud concert and you're yeah. able to I mean look I get it there are people who built skate parks or built a half pipe in their backyard and would be outside until it was covered in ice and snow mm-hmm. just to try to land those tricks and you get in that flow state or whatever we're open to this band like feeding us whatever they want to try out and we give them the like freedom to fall flat on their face yeah. and we pick them up, dust them off, but we're in it for the marathon, not the sprint. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's so fun about a project like this or about being a fan of something like yeah. this, that there are so many people that if you get it, you get it mm-hmm. and you don't have to explain it. Yeah. I've tried so hard to talk with friends of mine that aren't into it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I don't want you to come if you don't want to go. Yeah. Like, I don't give a fuck. I, this does it for me, just like The Walking Dead might do it for you, Definitely. or just like, you know, Game of Thrones. I never watched one Game of Thrones episode, I, but, I, I, but I'm so 
fish is my game of thrones. Yeah. I don't need. I never well, watched well, a Breaking Bad episode. Yeah. Well, that's. I'm not normally a, 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 a addicted mm-hmm. person when it comes to like a thing like this. It's yep. just I am so engulfed. In Fish and the Grateful Dead. I think what we hope to do here, too, is kind of explain to people um, who, aren't not, who are not into fish kind of what this obsession means and some of the, hit some of the milestones and points and things that happen to you and things that gifts that are given to you with this obsession. Because I believe if you also were to learn more about those other obsessions, whether it's Game of Thrones, which is remarkable, Breaking Bad, which is remarkable, <laughs> if you were to learn more about those and why, you would, you would understand and you would see that we're all alike in this way and we're all chasing our own things and people who are passionate about things, I mean, there's a reason for that and that's, that's, that's kind of one of the aims here. Well, and you know what's important too to think about and I, I think this is something that happens sporadically, unfortunately, as an adult is that you start to really embrace the gaps in between thoughts and in between experiences and that's where the real magic happens and when you're at a concert and it's your favorite band and you close your eyes and you know there's people around you, but they sort of disappear and it's just you and the music and you're in a place that nobody can penetrate and nobody can take from you and you're feeling it and you're not trying to feel it, that's bliss. And that's that moment that your heart knows is real. And that's something that you can go like, I, I want to keep coming back because I'm feeling a pure sense of happiness and bliss and and nothing can take it from me the song bug when he, they when they sing the line nothing i see can be taken from me i get tears in my eyes every time because it makes me feel that feeling i felt in the very beginning when it was like this feels like childhood mm-hmm. this feels like that place where i could just fucking run until I and, and 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 not worry about running out of breath, and and I'll catch the, I'll catch up to the ball that's in the air, and I'm gonna stumble and I'm gonna get a bloody nose and whatever. But yeah. it's like that that path is set for me, and and when you first feel it, it it's 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 a drug that keeps working. Yeah, you know you hear about people that do drugs and they they're trying to chase that first feeling. I get the first feeling still when yep. I go see fish. So when I the, found a drug that down, works. The, 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 the chills still happen. And, you know? and, 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 the excitement and, leading up to a show yeah. still happens. And the thing that's so beautiful about it to me, too, is that like I can look out wherever I'm sitting. I tend to sit behind the stage a lot now. But I can, sit, I can look out and just see someone I don't know. Mm-hmm. And they're feeling it so fucking hard. And, I, and I've had times where I've had... Worcester 98, I had second row on the floor for the run. And my friends were sitting behind the stage, and they came up after, and they were like, we watched you the yeah. whole show. <laughs> you had a good and night, I, Mike. They're like, you had a good time. It might have been the gel tabs, but yeah. <laughs> I was so like... We get into this moment where you can actually just fucking let go of the yeah. bullshit. Mm-hmm. You leave life at the door. It's the most and it's thing in the just world. beautiful. Well, you know what? I want to know what's funny, too, is it's, it's hilarious how hook, line, and sinker I fell into this fucking thing where it was like when I found out they were from Burlington, I had a piece of shit 88 Ford Taurus with no front. And if I went over 65 miles an hour, it would like hop and rattle. And the back was covered in Grateful Dead stickers. And I drove it up to Burlington. No idea where it was. I, I had no clue. And I made it up there. 
And I just fell in love with the city. Yeah. I went to Nectar's and got gravy fries. I did everything I felt like I was supposed to do. Yeah. And I remember seeing T-shirts that were special, you know, fan-made T-shirts. And that's where I picked up the Farmer's Almanac. I remember yes. buying the Farmer's Almanac yeah. at like a record store in Burlington. Mm-hmm. And it was so cool. Farmer's Almanac with a PH. Of course. And it was written, put together by um, our pal Andy Bernstein, who went on to... To does amazing things. Headcount. Head yeah. I mean, dude, the guy's fucking incredible. Yep. And to call him a friend is an honor. Mm. And I actually chatted with him a little bit about getting, um, you know, the Farmer's Almanac going. But what it, what it became to us was literally like a guidebook yeah. of stories from old fans. It was like the first it version. It was the Bible. It was the first version of like where you've heard what other fans did and yep. learned and experienced and... There were stories, there were set the, lists. All the set list of everything they've done. I, and it was the first the dog-eared book of my life, yeah. you know? <laughs> but here's Andy actually explaining how the whole thing got started. And the background is, so we started in 1995, and at the time, the web was not something that most people were accessing. You had um, the um, you had fish message boards, you had fishnet, but you, you, know, you had to be kind of techie to be in that world and there were a lot more fans who you know other than reading a few articles and what you learned from word of mouth you didn't know the history of the band it was hard to know the whole song catalog i mean you basically learned about fish from analog tapes and so we set out to kind of create a a one-stop source of information but also really give it the flavor of fish fans so stories and humor and uh, anecdotes and all these things that are part of the fish fan experience. The fish fan experience is not just stats and set lists, but it's it's going to a show with your friends and having a laugh or having a mind-opening experience or a mind-altering experience. And all of those things were featured in the book. And when we started, it was really ragtag. It was less than 100 pages. It had typos. It was black and white and stapled together. But pretty quickly, we saw the market for it was really big, and we it made it color and added photos and actually had the spell check and little things like that so that it was more professional. And in the end, we did six volumes, sold about 70,000 copies. And that, that kind of feedback loop among fans was really incredible. And, and people would come up to us at shows all the time and literally tell us that we had changed their lives. And... I don't think it was an exaggeration because it was fish information and knowing the background behind songs and knowing which songs are rare and which ones weren't, that's such a part of the fan experience. And we know that when you enhance someone's fish experience, you you are enhancing their lives. Thank Andy and anyone involved in that. That was so important for all of us. Do you want to know what's so crazy about that? Was that me and my pal Dave got in touch with a dude, Rob, that wrote a story in the Farmer's Almanac because he said he was from Connecticut and that's where we were from. So we wrote him and he got back to us and we were like, yo, we found you in the Almanac. Like, do you have any tapes? And it was so funny that that was always like chasing the, down the tapes, chasing the tapes yeah. dude. Even then we were still chasing, yep. you know? And it's just so fun that like that became the thing that we were able to read. 
And the Doniak Schweiss was something that we found out about through signing up for the band's mail order. Yeah, and I think that came with like a picture of Nectar, maybe. There was like a... I don't remember how I initially got it, yeah. but it was the band's newsletter. Yep. And yeah. You and, can mail order the tickets from that. They had uh, the segments, Mike's Corner, Mike Gordon, the, the bassist, Mike's Corner. Fish's uh, Forum, Fish's the Forum, drummer. Yeah. Tom would write stuff yep. in it. Um, there was these cool different games and... You, the middle page was always the T-shirts and the hats and the hoodies and all the merch. I'd live for that thing. I missed that thing. And then the back page was the tour. Yeah, exactly. And, it, and that's you, where we found you, out you, that they were playing the next run. Exactly. You cut out the form. You check off the boxes you want. You'd go get the make mail order. Make a fucking money order. Make it, make and then you ran order. to your yeah. mailbox to yeah. find out if you got tickets. I would even... Um, uh, I would draw, uh, you know, always make, and that was in the tradition of the Grateful Dead. I knew about that. People um, uh, would draw all over their envelope, trying to make it stand out a little oh, bit. And man. I'm like, yeah. I Isn't would, it just unbelievable? Yeah, it's so cool. And you know, it's funny is that, you know, we put in those mail orders and lo and behold, the tickets would come. And it was time. And that's when we would, you know, gas up the Honda yep. and get on the road, make some sandwiches We're and obsessed. go see some shows. We're obsessed now. It's time to take this party on the road. I'm extremely excited to bring these listeners on a nice long run of fish shows. Yeah. Let's hit it. All right, let's do it. Now, please proceed to chapter two.